to all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you happy this morning? Amen. Now, normally in, in my house, we normally have family prayers. Now, during a family prayer, we normally sing. Yes, we do sing. Now, there was a song that I thought was just out of this world. I said that this one, we are taking it to church. We're going to sing it as an item for the church. Now, I was outvoted. They say it is very good, but it's for home consumption. (laughs) Don't get carried away. Amen. But I thought you pray for us at the right time, we will come. Amen. Now, Brother Michael is just going to help me to fill that gap that should have been filled by the family. Amen. Are you ready, Brother? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Just sit down. Next time, we'll come. How many good singers in the shower are here that have never sung in the, in the church? All right, amen. I've got, there was quite a lot in the audience. Amen. Thank you. 
Amen. Beautiful, wasn't it beautiful? Amen. Amen. As we stand to our feet. And turn to our Bibles. First, God bless you, musicians. First uh, Corinthians twelve, verse fourteen, until verse twenty-seven. Uh, the intention this morning is to continue where we left off last week, and I like how one brother said. Looking into the temperaments helped him in his life to discover the devil's hideout in his life. And I hope this morning we are going to speak on the impact of temperaments on relationships. That's what we are going to look into. Uh, a lot of times some relationships never worked out, not because there was any substantive uh, matter that was a base for conflict. It was simply because you were of different temperaments. And if to borrow the brother's phrase, I hope today... Married people can discover the devil's hide out in their marriages. Amen. Now, let's read it. 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 14. I think we are just going to read it together. For the body does not consist of one limb or organ, but of many. Amen. Uh, we invite everybody to read with us. For the body is not one member, but many. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, I am not the eye, I am not the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, Where were the hearing? If if you want all of us to be like you, where will be us? Hallelujah. Husband, as a wife, if you want me to be like you, who will I be I? Wife, if you want me to be like you, who will I be I? 
Do you see the, the most conflicts happen because somebody wants you to be like them? If the whole were hearing, where were they smelling? But now has God said to the members, every one of them in the body. As it has pleased him. If they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members? But yet, one body. I can rephrase that one and say, but now are many family members, but one family. Are we together? Okay, let's continue. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. And if we are the members of the body, I cannot say to that brother, I don't need you. I cannot say to that sister, I don't need you. Because without them, I am not complete. And do you know there are certain parts in your body that you despise, especially the small toe? But if we were to cut you a small toe that no one sees, you are going to lose a sense of balance. You're going to limp. And there are people that may not mean much to you in the body of Christ, but without them, the body of Christ will limp. Everyone is important. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Folks, everybody is necessary. Verse 23. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable. There are certain parts of your body you think they are less honorable. Upon these we bestow uh, more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. We invite all those that got off the bus to come back to the bus. For our comely parts have no need. But God has tempered the body together. Having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no more schism. In the body. Schism is a division because of different opinions. 
separation of two people because of two group of people because of a different opinion. The devil loves schisms. But that the members should have the same care for one one for another. The same care. Are we together? The same care. They must get the same care. Uh, and this one, I even before run ahead of myself, this one we need to preach to ourselves as pastors. Same care, whether a big N or a less N. Same care. And whether one member suffer, All the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored. All the members rejoice with it. So if we are of one part, of one body, but different parts, if one member progresses, we rejoice with them. Are uh, we together? If your brother or your sister progresses and you have jealousy against them, you are a witch. I just said it. Verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ. And members in particular. We are one, one body, but members in particular. Shall we bow our heads? Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. We've just right here, dear God, we want to thank you for everything that you have done for us. We are praying for these people before we read the Bible. I just want to invite you to come and bring an inspiration. And dear God, not forgetting our dear sister Irene who is in the hospital, but Lord, we can send a prayer her way. You know the difficulty that she might be going through, but God, I know your hand can reach her and make her whole, dear God. And Lord, dear God, here is the church of the living God. They came this way because they need you to speak to them. Help me to be sincere in my post of duty. Not to have any ulterior motive, but the main motive must be to help God's people. Dear God, that's what you made me to stand here for. And Lord, help me to achieve that. Not to glorify myself, not to advance myself, but to advance your weight to your people, dear God. Let them not feed on my ego. Let them feed on the living word of God. That is my desire as we bind Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. Songs of Zion have been sung unto you. What a beautiful, what beautiful songs have been sung this morning, dear God. The reason they rejoice is because you have done something special in their life. Every person this morning in the building has a testimony. Dear God, it may not be a glorious testimony but I believe, as the saints tell us, that had it not been of the grace of God, 
the acid in the stomach can digest our digestive system. But for you to balance that acid, it means your wisdom is with us. For us to wake up this morning, it is by the grace of God. We want to thank you for everything that you have done for us as we commit ourselves to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. While we take our seats. Just a sec. That church needs to go and attend to something. They will be back. Don't be surprised. Amen. Now, let's put it this way. Uh, how many were blessed last week? Amen. How many were blessed? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> uh, today, we... We are going to handle a few things, and if we understand our temperaments, we will understand how to resolve conflicts when we come across conflicts, or when conflicts emerge in our relationships. And for those that may not have been here last week, we're just going to recap a bit for them. Now... There's a, whether, whether it's the Chinese or Indians, Africans or the English, there's a universal conflict in many marriages where the husband says, she does not respect me. And the wife says, he does not love me. Amen. Anywhere where you find a couple warring, it always either comes from one side saying, I feel not respected. And the other couple, say, another one says, I don't feel loved. And I've realized that there's always confusion because people don't interpret respect in the same way. And people don't re- interpret being loved in the same way. And some of you that have been parents long enough, you might have been accused at some point in time of, by one child that said, you actually love so-and-so more than you love me. And as a parent, you got confused that why would the child say, I love this one more and love them less. But to you, in your own world, you think that you love them equally. But uh, uh, what we are going to look into is how some people interpret being loved versus how you would be showing love to them. It may be two totally different things. Are we together? Uh, and you understand, brothers, that buying a grocery sometimes is not enough. Amen. And uh, even when, before I start, let's agree on one thing. People 
every individual upon the face of the earth, they all have different sets of fingerprints. No one around the world, there's never been found where people have same fingerprint. So that means every person is unique in their own way or is wired differently. And that is why I disagree with anybody that would say all men are the same, all women are the same. Are we together? Women, every woman is wired differently. And that is why what works in your family may not work in my family. And what works in the pastor's family may not work in your family. Are we together? So uh, your, that means your family must not just be an experiment where you go around borrowing templates and you come and say, I want to implement it in your family. You, you might be a bit shocked. Amen. Now, some people naturally, when they will go through those temperaments, and a particular temperament that we looked at last week, it was phlegmatic, which is avoiding conflict. They don't want conflict at all. But, and even the sanguine to a certain extent, because they just want everything to be jolly, they don't want conflict. Then the choleric, they, they thrive on conflict. And uh, the melancholic conflict may even drive them to suicide. So we are, we are going, firstly, let me say, there is nothing wrong with conflict. It is depend on how a conflict is handled. Are we together? And many a times, when you look at conflicts, when you have a conflict, you need to check what is the source of the conflict. Identify the problem that is the source of the conflict. And then the, among, within the Christian family, there's a way that you can just look how it can be grouped. Some, a, person, a personal conflict or a person, a person could feel offended, a personal wrong or somebody sinned against you or did something wrong to you. That's personal. And there is what we call a personality clash. The person just rubs you off in the wrong way. And a methodology difference. You don't agree how they are doing something. A doctrinal difference. So, but a lot of times, because people don't want to deal with conflict, a lot of personal and personality clash conflicts, a lot of people will just put a blanket as if it's a doctrinal uh, conflict because doctrinal conflict makes them to look spiritual. And we've seen that within the message community. I don't agree with that, brother, because, you know, they don't see the quotation, but you find that it has nothing to do with the weight. It's just a personality clash. And whenever there is a personality clash, it tells you that Satan has taken advantage of somebody, uh, taken advantage of their temperament, and he created this conflict. And some conflicts, they can last generationally. Are we together? If it's a personality conflict and you say, the person just rubs me off, uh, 
you know, we find psychological ways to make certain things acceptable. But personality clash, it simply is that the whole, uh, the, 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 the evil spirit has taken advantage of your differences and magnified them so that until such time you find that we cannot find each other. And uh, I'm going to, you see, when we, we speak about the book of Acts, the early church, a lot of people think that, wow, wow, that church, brother, had I been part of that church, I would be far, not in this modern age. But we realize that see, people die, but spirits don't die. Same spirits that we deal with today, they dealt with the same spirits then. And I'm going to bring certain things that you may never have come across in the early church and that are visible in the end time. The early church was not utopia where everything was perfect. They had their ups and downs. And what helped them is because they were obedient to the Holy Spirit. And what will help us in the end time, we've got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Uh, are we together? Maybe, my brothers, just bring my diagram just to recap for those that may not have been here. But if you are not here uh, last week, the best way is you need to go and get the tape and acquaint yourself with or familiarize yourself with what we dealt with. The first light, I've got more new slides uh, those that may have been here because somebody say, are we going to go for repeat? It's not repeat. It's just a recap and we move forward. Uh, you remember we said to body, spirit, soul, and your temperament, uh, the Bible says, he that controls his spirit is better than the man that takes over the city. Are we together? So it's a triune being and we said that temperament, the devil can take advantage of your spirit realm. Move uh, on, brother. Oh, I am empowered to move here. Then we said there are different... Brother Brenham, we read last week, he was melancholic. And then we spoke about choleric people. We talked about the sanguine people. Uh, we talked about the phlegmatic people and the melancholic people. What, what uh, I want to do today is to say, okay, God bless. Can even switch the congregation? Amen. Now, uh, today I want to say what, what happened, because as you are here, you are of different temperaments. What, what happens when choleric people, sanguine people, phlegmatic people, melancholic people come together? What happens when these temperaments get together? What happen, happens in your family if you've got maybe a melancholic husband and a choleric wife and a sanguine child and a phlegmatic child? There's going to be a conflict but what will avoid the conflict is when, as a family, you are aware of your temperaments. Are we together? And furthermore, how a melancholic person, how they interpret being loved is different from how the sanguine people 
uh, interpret being loved. And you will get why, uh, sisters, if you meet a brother and, uh, and, and his wife in the mall and they are holding hands, it doesn't mean that if they do it, it's going to work in your family. Some people even just by saying, they really, it sends shivers down their spine to say, me being held in the mall. And you will understand why some, mari- some marriages are like a desert, very thorny, tough. Uh, well, it is here, there was a time where I was counseling a couple some time back, and the brother did everything that he could. Whatever the sister needed, sister had. Best car, petrol, credit card, everything. Then the sister said, Pastor, this man does not love me. The man almost fell off his chair that after what I've done in this family, why would this woman say I don't love? Say, why, sister, why did you, if he loves you, how would you know? He never buys me a chocolate. Now, to a man, <laughs> I bought you a car. You are worried about a chocolate. You've got a credit card. Well, if you need a chocolate, can't you get it for yourself? We are going to look, in, we are going to look into these things what it means and you'll realize why certain marriages are under pressure. Satan, Satan takes advantage of these things and, and rip apart families. We actually, as a Christian community, we must aspire and we must push and we must aggressively push for zero divorce rate. God hates a divorce. The church must hate a divorce. The brothers must hate a divorce. The sisters must hate a divorce. The children must hate a divorce because our God hates a divorce. But we cannot just say we hate a divorce while people are in their households living miserable lives. So, and I'm going to say these things for what they are. Some men, they get away with a lot, especially in the message, because all he knows, I can do and say whatever I want to say, she will never go anywhere. Because at church, we don't want divorce. Make her to stay with you by choice, not by a force of circumstances. Uh, I would want to believe that even had I not found the message, I would want to believe that I would still be loving my wife. Are we together? The message is there just to safeguard what I already feel for her. Amen. Amen. 
Are you with me? Can I carry on? Yes. Amen. Um, maybe just to recap, we said, when we used the analogy, if a choleric is driving down the road, they become impatient. Most of them, they are part of the road rage that you see. They don't want somebody to cut in front of them. Uh, a choleric person, if you drive down the road and you want to come back onto this lane, they would never give you space. They would push you. You need to wait because they are getting somewhere. Now, a phlegmatic person drives. Most of them, they never get a ticket. They are driving within the speed limit, obeying rules. They don't want to break the rules because they don't want any conflict. Speaking to a traffic cop, that's how they are. A melancholic person, as soon as they see the traffic cop, they go into a state of panic. Did I miss the stop sign? Did I drive past the red robot? They already feel guilty before. uh, And I know people that are melancholic, as soon as you say there is a problem, he immediately or she would immediately say, yeah, there is a problem, you know what? But a choleric person would say, what do you mean? <laughs> they, want, they want you to tell them first before they can admit. Uh, are we together? Yeah. Melancholic person sometimes can, be, can go to prison for something that they have not done. Now, a sanguine person... These guys, if they are in a place and they enjoy being there, they forget what the rest of the day entails. They forget other appointments. And if they should be, they be reminded that, no, we still have to go somewhere. That's why they are chronic latecomers at any place. They will be driving at a high speed, and as soon as the traffic cop stops them, the first thing that they come out is to crack out, uh, crack jokes with the traffic cop until the traffic cop laughs and they say, you can go. They are bubbly. Choleric people, fiery, sanguine friendly, phlegmatic following, melancholic feeling. Now, are we together? Yeah. Choleric person, we said, they don't empathize. If something needs to be done, it must be done. To them, the end justifies the means. Brother, you know, when we did this, do you know how many people we have had? No, but didn't we deliver what we said we are going to deliver? If they have delivered, they don't care how somebody felt. They cannot empathize. When somebody cries in front of them, they don't know what to do. They move away from the scene because they don't know how to respond. Now, imagine a choleric husband married to a melancholic sister because melancholic, you will cry for no reason. Just, I feel down. Now, a choleric will say, what is the problem? And the sister says, I don't know, I just feel down. The brother says, no. Don't be a, a crybaby. 
right there, it creates friction in the family. Imagine a sanguine husband and a phlegmatic wife. Sanguine, remember, they, they want to be, they, they, want, they love attention. Uh, a sanguine husband, in a, when he is within a crowd, somewhat he's got to make it on the program. And when he's at the program, imagine if he says, the, even my wife is here. Then a phlegmatic wife will be hiding somewhere and say, what is going on? I'm just giving you a background here. We said, if you don't know your temperament, the devil will take advantage of it. Choleric can be abusive. Sanguine can be, they live for the moment. They can run into death because they, sometimes they don't think about down the line. They only say, we are enjoying now. A phlegmatic person may never do anything because they are afraid to advance to the fall. Imagine if a, a phlegmatic brother has got a gift in the church. He, he would never use it. He would always be hiding. But he needs somebody to encourage and say, you can do it. You can do it. And I said, Timothy was phlegmatic. That is why Paul kept on assuring Timothy and said, Timothy, the faith that is in you is sincere. It was first in your grandmother. Then it was in your mother. Now it is in thee. Stir the gift that is in you. Preach this weight in season and out of season. Because why? Paul as a choleric person, he wanted Timothy to do something for the kingdom of God. But Timothy, because he was phlegmatic, he was more cautious. I don't want to be part of it. Are we together? We said Peter was a sanguine. Uh, remember, when they went on mantra, is it mantra transfiguration, and Elijah and Moses came down, and Jesus was, was, was changed. And right there, Peter said, let us build three tabernacles here. Where are we going? This is a good, that's typical of sanguine. Melancholic, we said Brother Brandon was melancholic. And that is why, stay with me. That is why after the death of his wife and child, he tried to commit to suicide twice. How many remember that? Satan took advantage of the temperament. Choleric, they are driven more by power. Dominant. And tonight, today we are going to bring these characters from the Bible. Sanguine, it's about influence. Do I get recognized for what I do? Melancholy, cautious. They are driven by perfection. Phlegmatic, they are a support structure. They love harmony. The moment there is fights in a group, a phlegmatic person gets confused. What are we going to do? Because there is no harmony. Are we together? Now, imagine a melancholic pastor pastoring a choleric deacon. Melancholic pastor would be understanding 
Or imagine a choleric pastor pastoring phlegmatic person. A phlegmatic person may be say, this pastor is a harsh. I hope we are together. I'm just doing a recap for those that may have been here. But now, you don't need to switch on the lights. Let's leave it as it is. But just keep your neighbor under watch so that they least they sleepy because the lights are dimmed. Amen. Now, Philippians, or maybe let's read Acts 15 that I read last week. Just to show something. Acts 15, verse 36. Brothers, there's a humming sound coming from this speaker in the front, if you can help me with it. Uh, Acts 15, verse 36. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, so last week we said Paul was what? Half of the church was here. Choleric. And said unto Barnabas, what was Barnabas? Brother Clement was in church, phlegmatic. And some say, some days and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Verse 37. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose name was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed uh, from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. Are we together? And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by brethren unto the grace of God. Are we together? So we find... Last week, just to recap for those that may have been here, we said uh, Paul was a choleric and Barnabas was a phlegmatic. Barnabas wanted a harmony. Paul said to the brother, last time he deserted us, we are not taking him along with us because a choleric person can hold a grudge and can be unforgiving. So, I'm just recapping for those that may not have been there. But now, let's move into new stuff. Philippians 4, verse 2. Uh, 
I besiege Judeas, Judeas and besiege Sintash that they be of the same mind in the Lord. I think it's fine, Brafania. That they be of the same mind in the Lord. This, go back. These are the sisters. Apostle Paul is writing. They say, these two sisters, they disagree. They are not of the same mind. But yet they are in the same church. And you are sitting there, you say, ah, people don't talk to each other. You know, if it was in the book of Acts, these things, they come from there. As much as they needed the Holy Ghost, we need the Holy Ghost today. Verse 3. And go back there. Verse 2. I wonder, brothers, if Sister Eudias and Sister Sintash were not talking to each other, and they were married. I wonder what was happening to the brothers. If the two sisters never agree, and the brothers are immature, they're going to join in in the conflict. And let me tell you something, brother. If you want to be embarrassed, try to fight your wife's battles. When she makes up with the people, she will not consult with you. When you come back from work, the very person that she said, that one I don't want to see, you find them drinking coffee, laughing, and you look miserable. Can I get an amen from brothers? Because how, the nature of the conflict when these two sisters uh, were not agreeing, the temptation is always say, Sister Yudias needs to get people that are on her side. Sister Sintash needs to get the people that are on her side. And I, I don't know what was the source of the conflict, but I believe that it might have been a temperament issue because these two sisters were holy. And you will check, Brother Paul regards them as fellow workers in the gospel to such an extent that the Pentecostals were tempted that these two women were preachers. Because they lack the understanding that a woman can be there and play a role in the gospel without being a preacher. Verse 3. And I entreat thee also, maybe let's jump on to the very same scripture, but I need it in Amplified. There was Brother Clement there, Brother Clement as well. Verse 2, let's go back to verse 2. I entreat and advise you, dear, and I entreat and advise Sintash to agree and to work in harmony in the Lord. Verse 3. And I exhort you too, my genuine yoke fellow, help these two women to keep on cooperating. Don't take sides with them. Make them to work together. And Sometimes when we preach such someone's people's mind go wild. Is there the pastor addressing any particular issue? I'm not addressing any particular issue. Some sermons, as I said on Wednesday, are preventative sermons. Before Satan can strike, we are quite five steps ahead of him. Are, are, are we together? For they have toiled or worked along with me 
in spread in the spreading of the good news, the gospel, as have Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. This sister Paul says they are in the book of life, which we know is Lamb's book of life. But between them, the fact that their names are in the Lamb's book of life, it does not make them to be immune from conflict. The fact that both of us are full of the Holy Ghost, it does not make us to be immune from conflict. Paul and Barnabas were full of the Holy Ghost, but the conflict was still there because the devil can take advantage of that other side of yours, which is that temperament, the advantage or the the negative effects of your temperament to bring a conflict. Do you agree? How many knew that in the first church, Paul knew that there were sisters not talking to each other? Anytime sisters don't talk to each other, I'm glad that spirit is not here. And I need to put it on record that it must never come. When sisters don't talk to each other, the devil is the one that is responsible. Uh, Can I get an email from sisters? If you don't talk to another sister and you avoid them, it may be driven by a complex and complex it's spiked by an evil spirit. A Christian is at peace with everyone. And when a Christian has got an issue with a person, what does a Christian do? They go directly to the person and say, I've got a problem with you. And if the person doesn't see it, they take the next one. If they say don't see it, they take the third one. Are we together? Can I get an amen from sisters? Brothers, I don't have a problem with them because they are very pretentious. They will laugh at the top of their lungs while despising each other. But sisters, they are expressive. I, want, I, don't, I don't want to talk to her. But brothers, you... If, see, brother, if you want to know how your fellow brother thinks of you, Observe his wife. The wife is the billboard of a man's hidden feelings. If he laughs with you, the wife doesn't laugh with you. He's not laughing with you. God bless you, sisters, for bringing things to the surface. Isn't it so, brethren? Amen. Do you, do you see what we are dealing with? They dealt with these things there. I, I don't know. From the two verses that are given, I could not deduce what temperament was this woman. But I wanted to show you that conflict, it will always be there. In families, in the church, how you respond to it. Brother Brenham Billy Paul says, the greatest miracle that my dad I ever saw performing was how he responded to every situation with the spirit of Christ. Amen. 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 Are you still with me? Let, let us bring uh, is it St. John 3, chapter 1. 
There's three books there. The third book of John, chapter 1. Still, let's just stick on to Amplified. I want even small children to follow. doesn't mean that we are less spiritual. We are still believing in Ken's Jim's version. Amen. Now, now, there was a certain man among the Pharisees. This is not the right one. Verse 9. It's not John. The three books of John before Revelation. Amen. How many have ever been in a conflict? How many are going through a conflict? It's not wrong that you were in a conflict. It's not that you are a devil. No, no, no. Amen. Now, no, no, this is First John, I need the third book. There's three books of John before Revelation, before the book of Jude, if you can bring it up there. Oh yeah, that's the correct one. The, elder, the elderly elder of the church addresses this letter to the beloved and esteemed Gaius whom I truly love. This is St. John writing to an elder called Gaius. And then go to verse 9. Same book, verse 9. I have written briefly to the church, but Diotrephes, Diotrephes, that's the pronunciation. I've written briefly to the church by Diotrephes. Who likes to take the lead among them and put himself first? Does not acknowledge my authority and refuses to accept my suggestions or to listen to me. First 10. But when I arrive, I will call attention to what he is doing. He is boiling over and casting malicious reflections upon us with insinuating language. And not satisfied with that, he refuses to receive and welcome the missionary brethren uh, himself and also interferes with and, and forbids those who would welcome them and tries to expel, excommunicating them from the church. Let's give an example. It's, I'm giving a lighthouse uh, example. This lighthouse, Tabernacle. Now, there is a new church that sprang up in Ochis. And there is a missionary worker going there. There is another church there. Then John is pastoring lighthouse. He's here. And he's sending missionary preachers there to preach. But when they get there, there is a... a, 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 a bring the name, nine... Verse 9. The trophies. The trophies. The trophies. When they come there to preach, he says, you will not preach. No, no, no. You, brother, sit down. Yeah, I will preach. They bring the letter to be read to the church. He says, that letter, we will not read it. 
the brethren that come there to preach they are looking for a place to stay he says to the church don't ever accommodate them those that accommodate them he says don't ever come back to church what type of temperament was this it was choleric i'm showing you how a choleric without the baptism of the holy ghost they can torment the church are we together? Can we say amen to that? Amen. Uh, hallelujah. But, but uh, verse 10. I like how John says, he's not saying we'll just speak about this matter behind. Because it's a spirit upon the breath. He says, when I arrive, I will call to attention what he's doing. I will, I will engage him directly and say, what you are doing, it is not right. Do you see what we are dealing with here? They dealt with it today, but they had a way of dealing with it. If it is today, and I I wonder, I was asking myself, how did it get to a point where this man was in this way? Why did they not correct him before this spirit overcame him? And that is why, as a church, never be afraid of one another. Don't even be afraid of the pastor. Hallelujah. A pastor is a human being. A pastor makes mistakes. Are we together? But when you correct the mistake, yes, some people look me funny when I say a pastor makes mistakes. Yes, if you were ever taught that a pastor does not make a mistake, that is a doctrine from hell. A pastor makes a mistake. The reason I'm standing here quite a bit uh, 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 lifted up than where you are. It is just so that you can see me when I talk. It doesn't mean that I'm better than you. I fight the same devil that you are fighting. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to that? The pastor does not have a special table. He fights the same devil that you are fighting. If you are moody, there are times when the pastor is moody. If you repent, there are times when the pastor has got to repent. I'm not believing in this superman mentality that I've got everything under control. If Paul could say I repent daily, that means every minister must repent daily. Are you here, people? The only person that ever lived upon the face of the earth that never had to repent was the Lord Jesus Christ. Any other person must repent. Is it fair, brethren? If if deacons can observe that pastor, hey, I think pastor, he's got a very, uh, 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 what, tight grip. I think the way he's handling system, it looks like there's a problem. Brother, don't tiptoe around me. You must come and invite me for golf. He said, Pastor, listen, don't chop my head off, but I think the way you are treating your wife, there is a problem. Because why? If you don't do it, she will suffer. And not only her, other people will suffer. We need not to be afraid of one another. We need to love one another. What has made Christianity to be difficult is because certain people, are, we are afraid of them. Can I get an amen? amen. Don't, maybe you don't know. 
many pastors' wives, had it not been out of the shame of shaming their husbands because of their public office, many of them would have left them. Samina, angel behind the pulpit, but monsters in their houses. Many pastors' wives, they are battling with feelings of inadequacy. This man is a man, is a showman. They are ushering praises on him. Women access him and they praise him. He's being carried away in the process, not knowing some women's compliments may not be healthy for your wife. I am preaching. Uh, don't be afraid when I expose Satan. I need to start exposing Satan even in my office. And not only expose him in your life there because you are just a poor fella, you are a just member. No, he needs to be exposed everywhere. In this church, the greatest gift that you can give to me as a pastor is not to buy me a new suit, is to love your wife. The best gift, sister, that you can do for me is not to cook for me when I come to your house, is to love your husband, to respect your husband. Then we have a balanced church. If you respect, if you respect me and disrespect your husband, you are lying to me. It's a matter of time that you will show your colors. If you say you love me but you don't love your wife, you are lying to me. It's a matter of time before you show your colors. Charity begins at home. Are you here, people? Can I get an amen? I hope we are all on board. Amen. And see, it's getting hotter. Spiritually. Amen. Now, do you agree that there were conflicts in the early church? Amen. Amen. I want to read the same quotation that Brother Branham read, uh, or I read last week, led by the Holy Spirit, paragraph 4. Excuse me. I am going to go into the Branham family today. I said something last week, but I did not support it. And somewhat it was lingering in my mind, and by the grace of God, I went to check. I said last week, I said, I believe to a greater extent, Sister Mida in the family was choleric, and Brother Brenham was melancholic. And obviously, after the meeting, after the sermon you review, was that, can you prove that? And later when I went, I checked, and I want to go and show you the temperament of Sister Hope and the temperament of Sister Mida. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, Brother Branham says, I'm a very temperamental person, melancholy sort of a person. I can't let myself get away. Satan takes advantage of that on me. I'm one of those types that could break down. Is your camera Right? Oh, I thought we are sabotaging it with light. Amen. Now, I'm a temperamental person, melancholic sort of a person. I can't let myself get away. Satan takes advantage of that on me. I'm one of those types that could break down. Satan takes advantage of me on that. Do we agree? Now, 
Let's come here. I, do you remember Sister Hannah and Sister uh, Penina? Do you remember the constant conflict? Penina was choleric. She made the life of Sister Hannah miserable because she could not have children. Made Mokarofe enjoy to seeing her suffer because Sister Penina was without the Holy Ghost. And Sister Hannah was melancholic. And brothers, a human heart was only made to handle one woman. Two women, you're going to get to the grave faster. Amen. You remember, Sister Sarah said to your brother Abraham, we have waited for far too long. Why don't you go, why don't you take uh, uh, that woman, Hagar? Maybe the child will come through Hagar. And Abraham, because he was phlegmatic, he obeyed the choleric character of Sarah and ended up having a child called Ishmael. And the child went on to become a wild child. But look at God. He comes and says to Abraham, uh, look, the sister is the one that says, listen, we are waiting for this long. Why don't you go and have a child with this servant? The brother obeys. He goes. He has a child with this servant. After a while, the sister says, tell the mother and the child to go. Send them away. Chase them away. Now, God comes. That's why, before they make you do something, pray about it. He comes and says, go away. He goes to God. God says, listen to Sarah. Send them away. Are we together? I hope you are with me. Now, in marriage, while we announce the engagement, there's an excitement. There's joy. There's looking forward. Then there is waiting. Then after the waiting, there is joy. There is honeymoon. But 10 months down the line, the temperaments come to the surface. Because remember, if that love is enough just to come before the pastor, to say, I do, is going to be tested, it had much better be a genuine love. Are we together? After 10 months, that's when the temperaments come to the surface. That's when conflict happens in the family because now you've got different backgrounds, you're of different makeup. That love had much better, strong enough. Have you seen at the beginning of marriage, there is a sort of a battle, there is a sort of contestation, and there is conflict but have you realized that later those that are aging, like the likes of Brother Philip and Sister Winnie, they have, they, have, they have gone through their differences. Now they are in their senior years. There is no more fights anymore. They can just sit next to each other and never talk anything. Are, are we together? Because Why? They have gone after, and that is why even the builders, I'm told, once you build the house, 
We are told by experienced builders that you need to observe it between year zero until year five. That's when you, you need to check if there are cracks. Then that means they need to be fixed. But after that, the house may never have cracks. And so that's why if you all have not been married for more than five years, don't go around and telling people my marriage is strong. <laughs> strong against what? Has it been tested? It's going to be tested. Wait until it gets tested. Yes, you are Holy Ghost filled, but it has to be tested. Are we together? Uh, young ones, normally, especially the new generation, they really make the old generation look like they don't love each other. Because this is a selfie generation. This is a check-in generation. Hallelujah. Come here, my wife, and then with a selfie stick, take it, put it on social media. Love lives here. You don't see Brother Philip doing that. He's been married. He doesn't say, love leaves me. Yeah. I don't say, don't do it. But be careful. That when you say love lives here, it takes a certain character. It say it takes the Holy Ghost to have the preeminence in the family. That twenty years later you can look around and look at your wife and say love lives here. Are we together? I mean, young ones after they get me, they can really make you doubt yourself. That really, Amen. Open the door. If you start making open the door, open it for the rest of your life. Because if you open it for the first three years and you stop opening it, she's going to say you might be opening a door to another person. What made you stop because you used to open the door for me? Do you think that you can sustain? I, was, I think I was telling Brother Mpain, I said, you know, we that are long married, we can drive with our wives for 30 minutes and 45 minutes, not talking in the car. Not because we are angry. No, it's because we are so, we have been long enough and loving each other long enough that we are comfortable even in the silence. But because you are married today, you've got to find interesting stuff to say. We have talked about this. What can I, and we even end up saying things that you should not say. Because you are under pressure. Hallelujah. I don't need to impress my wife anymore. Yes, I can buy her gifts, but it's not to say I need to make her love me. No, we've gone through some stuff where I realized that no other woman would have gone through what we went through together. Hallelujah. They can be beautiful, they can be, have the nice physique, but there are certain experiences that I've gone through with her that no other woman, despite how beautiful they can be, and if you leave your wife because of a challenge and you marry another one, guess what? You're going to leave another, that other one. Because why? Relationship at the beginning is very nice. You don't cook at home. You eat at McDonald's. You, it's cappuccino or what, what. But when children come, then the school fees, there is responsibilities. She's no longer sends you just WhatsApp message to say I love you. She says, hey, it looks like they have switched power. 
And if you think this woman is being difficult, no, no, I need to get another one. Yes, the very one that you will get, after a while, she will send you another WhatsApp. There is power card. And if you are such a man that can never withstand in an environment of responsibility, you will keep on moving from one woman to another woman. And actually, you are scandalous to a label called a man. Real men don't run away from their wives. Actually, in this church, if you were to have an extramarital affair, even without excommunicating you, we will never hang out with you. You are embarrassing us. Any man that has extramarital affair embarrasses us. Because if I become your friend, my wife is going to think, ah, you are doing exactly what he's doing. So I must avoid you. And I must be with men that are loyal to their marriages so that my wife can say, ah, if he goes with brother so-and-so, ah, everything. But that brother, hey, be careful. You don't want to be that brother. Can I get an amen from me? This message has made us to be loyal, to be honorable, to be loyal to our marriage vows. And actually, a man that is going after another woman, the reason I say is scandalous is because if you think another woman is beautiful, why don't you make your wife beautiful? Why do you go to another grass that is being watered and you fail to water your own grass? Real men water their own grass. Can I get an amen from me? You are dressed nice, but the wife looks shabby. You don't buy anything. You go around complimenting other women. Oh, you look, you, you are well dressed. Nonsense! If a man who buys a woman a dress, something in him will compel him to find that dress attractive. If a man allows his wife to be bought a dress by his, her parents, he will never find that dress attractive. Allow me to preach here. Yeah? Amen. We want men of honor, men of integrity. Amen. And maybe just to let you in on a secret. Most men, we have realized as a board, most men that normally avoid us to, to visit us, to hang out with us, they're not right. They hide something. Oh, I said it. You have heard me very correctly. Real men would want to hang out with other... I mean, if you are married, but you always hang around with unmarried brothers, what's that? Come and stay with us so that we can compare notes. Amen. Now, cholerics very outspoken, fiery. They don't have a problem with confrontation, quick to reaction and argument. When they hold a grudge, they hold it. They believe that uh, ban me once and that's, that's it. Give you one chance. You mess it up. We are done. 
Paul, John Mark, I took you right there. You left me. It's done. I'm not taking you anymore. That's choleric. Unforgiving. Sanguines, how they handle conflict, quick to react to tension. They will never hold a grudge. But when they say they can speak something that they regret because they don't hold back, but in two minutes, a sanguine will turn around and say, where are we going to have dinner? And you wonder, oh, this guy, you just, now he says, where is dinner? That is how they are. Phlegmatic, very slow to respond to a conflict or argument. A conflict, a phlegmatic, you can offend them. After two years, then you get an email. On the 3rd of December, 2013, you know what you did to me. Oh. Then you wonder. But we've been together for all along. Why didn't you mention? Because they avoid conflict. A melancholic person, they will never complain at all. When you have forgotten about the argument, they don't confront any negative thing. They hold it in them. They will never complain about it. Then it leaves a lasting. It leaves a lasting impression in them. Let's bring, go to the Brenham family. Sister Hope says to Brother Brenham, I want you to go and get me, is it penthouse? Is it correct? Brother Brenham, then he tells Brother Brenham, says, she phones. Brother Brenham goes down the road, chief on, chief on, because he doesn't want to forget. Then he meets another person and says, Hi, Billy. Yeah. Then he says, Oh, good morning, sir. Then he, after they greeted each other, then he remembers, he says, Chief on, chief on. He meets another one. He speaks to them. Then he comes back and says, Chief on, chief on. Then he meets a guy that they were fishing buddies. This guy tells him about a river where they can find a certain species of uh, 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 fish. Then he, when he's there, once he's done, he's coming back, he has forgotten what he was going to buy. He goes to the shop. He finds a lady by the name of Thelma and says to Thelma, Thelma, I'm here to buy, and he mentions the name for hope. Now, Thelma says, no, Hope will never wear that. Then Brother Ram says, I says, no, I think Hope would wear this. Brother Ram takes out money and says, how much? He finds that the money that he had in his pocket will not only afford one, will afford two pairs. Then he comes whistling because when men think that they have found a bargain, they know that it's time to go and break. He comes home whistling and gives the, uh, the, that, uh, those pentos to Hope. And Hope quietly 
puts them away. Never says a word. Brother Bram doesn't know what happened. Hope is a phlegmatic. Doesn't want to disappoint this melancholic prophet. But when the hope was dying, after she had gone and came back, says, Billy, wait a minute. You remember that time. That's what phlegmatic will do. We remember that time when you, I went, sent you to buy. You know, what you bought was not correct. Those are for old women. I never wore them. I actually gave them to my mother. Why would it, why hope? Why did hope not? But if hope was choleric, immediately while Brother Branham walked by the door, say, you need to take them back. I will not wear such. Do you see, do you see the temperament in the Branham family? Are we together? Now let us go to Sister Mida. Are you still with me? Brother Branham, how many know Brother Branham will come throughout his sermons? Brother Branham says certain things that, goodness, sometimes it sends shivers down my spine. Right in front of the people on the, polar, on the platform, he says, you know, I lo- hope I loved that woman. She had such big eyes. When the woman that she is married to is in church. Uh, are we together? I wonder, whenever Brother Branham spoke about hope, how did Sister Mida feel? Then I went, I'm, I'm not going to read much, it's in the message, the sixth seal. Brother Brenham, one day, Sister Mida calls Brother Brenham and says, Tell me, Billy, this is a choleric now, tell me, I know you loved hope, and I know you love me, but when we get to heaven, who's going to be your wife? Uh, Brother Brenham says, We will be sisters. He says, no, but that does not satisfy me. Who is going to be your wife? Then Brother Bram says to Sister Mida, do you see the choleric? Wants to know what you mean, what's going to happen when we get there, because you talk, I don't want, I'm not jealousy, but I want to know. And Brother Bram says, when we get there, Mida, he says, if you were to look through the window and see me hugging a prostitute, what are you going to do? says, I will be mad with you and I will never want to have anything to do with you anymore. And says, okay, let's change. What if you look through the window and you see Jesus hugging a prostitute? He says, I will know the prostitute is about to be saved. He says, you see how when you look at me, the reaction that you have, it's earthly. But when you look at Jesus doing that, it is heavenly. That's how heaven will be. There will not be any jealousy. Hallelujah. Heaven, there will not be any jealousy. Amen. Now, well, we are here. Uh, I think it was this. Somebody made me laugh the other time and said, Not every woman needs flowers, some needs KFC. People are wired differently. Now, 
a choleric person. And you'll see it even in the church environment. They don't deal with emotions. There was a study that was done by a gentleman called Chapman where he interpreted how people respond to being loved. He says there are some, for them when they are loved is when there is words of affirmation. I'll do that, then we'll come to the temperament. Some, quality time, just to be with their partner, with an un- get an undivided attention. Some, receiving gifts. Some, acts of service. Some, physical connection, holding hands, hug. Now let's get here. A choleric person If, if, you were to, if you are a wife and you are married to a choleric husband and you tell your choleric husband you look, you look handsome, it does not mean anything. Because these ones, how they respond to being loved is acts of service. A choleric husband would want to know when I'm at home, dinner is right at the right time. My clothes are ironed. There's no washing in the laundry. The house is clean. So, if you are married to a choleric person as a sister and you are lazy, the marriage is going to be difficult. And that is why he would turn around and say, this woman does not love me. But you may be showing it in another way, but he is not responsive to how you show it. It's not only for marriage. A child that is choleric, would say, let me say, I've got a child who is a sanguine. I've got a child who is melancholic. I've got a child who is phlegmatic. I've got three children. I'm just giving an example. Now, or maybe the fourth one, the choleric. Not that I planned the fourth one, don't be nervous. (laughs) The choleric. Now, the choleric child, when they are going to play soccer or rugby at school, his way for me, if I just tell him at home that my young boy, do you know you are such a great boy? There is no boy like you. I mean, how you are, you are tall. It does not say anything if I don't show up at school when they are participating. Because how they interpret love is acts of service. If you've got a choleric child and you have never gone to where he does anything, the child may be sitting there thinking that actually I'm not loved in this house. Are we here, brethren? 
And the reason there is a, a constant conflict between fathers and sons is because how fathers show love is not how the sons think love should be showed. Are you with me? Most men, and I need to repent me as well here, if there is something at school, who do we send? The mother. There's a problem with a teacher. Who do we send? The mother. There is a rugby match. Who goes there? The mother. The father thinks that because I'm at work, the boy knows that I love him. Daddy woke up at 4 o'clock to come to work, to work for the boy. But the boy is thinking that, but others, they've got their fathers that are here, sharing them. My father is nowhere to be found. He hates me. And you are thinking you are being a great father, but in your fa- child, child's world, you are a horrible father. Some children, how they feel loved, these ones will be the same uh, melancholic. They respond to touch. Not many fathers today can put, stand up, brother, can put their arm around their son and say, Son, I'm proud that you are my son. I'm proud of you. You are a good son. Every father would wish to have a son like you. Even if I'm preaching here, some men have never done that. All they know, I bought grocery for Johnny. All I know, but Johnny wanted sneakers. Johnny has got sneakers. He does not understand. Next time, stand up again, my brother. Johnny comes across against her. Johnny, you are a man. You are a big man. High five. <laughs> Johnny is now in another world. The gangster does that. The father walks past the room. Johnny, why did I see the horse pipe is not fixed outside? The only relationship that Johnny has with the father is an authoritarian relationship. Melancholic. Sometimes they would want to sit at a chair with knees locked with their father's knees and just choking. Son, how how are things? Is everything fine at school? Are there any people that are bullying you? Should dad come out to school? Is there anything that you want dad to sort out? But if Johnny comes from the school, tells the mother, there's a boy bullying me, and the father is choleric, and the mother tells the father, Johnny is being bullied at school. The father goes there. Johnny, I never raise a sissy. (laughs) If they fight, you must fight. How many times in our families we don't respond appropriately because we don't know the temperaments? 
Your wife is a sanguine. You are a choleric. The only time where she hears that, yes, he loves you, is when we sing about Jesus in church. I know what I'm talking about. There was a convention in Cape Town. And I can mention him. I think Brother Beckett had ministers that were coming from Central Africa. And he said, Brothers, you have been here for a week. You are going back home. But before you go home, come with me. Then they go to a florist. says, Brother, I want every brother to take flowers. I will pay for them. They take flowers, he pays. He says, brothers, I want you, when you get home, when you come by the door, give your wife a bouquet of flowers and say, honey, I was not home. I missed you. I can imagine those African men. <laughs> Maybe you that don't know, an African man thinks that if he sees another man with a bunch of flowers, he would even say to the wife, I wonder what has he done? <laughs> they think that buying flowers is because a man is in trouble. He wants to get out of trouble. But he says, do this, brothers. And because his ministers, they are great and they can't lie. When they got home, they did that. And they sent him messages and say. We have never seen our wives as happy as they are ever since we were traveling as ministers. And my question is, how were they handling their coming back? All they were worried, maybe they fetched him at the airport. Did you cook? Because I didn't eat on the plane. (laughs) Words of affirmation. Any person that pays compliment to you, it doesn't matter how stone-hearted you are, over time you warm up to them. A man who hardly gets any appreciation at home, when he goes to work and he comes through the reception, and the receptionist says, your shoes look good, you're well-dressed today. It reinforces something. Even if there are many entrances to the workplace, he would want that entrance by that receptionist. (laughs) It's not only men, even women. If another man, and I don't know, I'm tempted to do a survey, but out of fear of not embarrassing you, or to redeem time, because if I do that, I would have said, let's close our eyes and ask the sisters. When was the last time your husband said, you look beautiful? You are well dressed. Some women, just for me saying that, it's very strange. That does not happen. All they know, have you cooked? Have you ironed clothes? Have you cleaned to the house? 
mentality time. Some women, they don't want to be told. Even some men, they don't want to be told. I, you look beautiful. Some, they just want you to be home with them. When they do the meals, you are around the table eating with them. Asking everybody around the table, are you fine? How are things at school? Honey, is everything fine here at, house, at, at the house? Quality time. Most men, I don't know what's happening with us men. We are wired to think that buying a grocery takes us out of prison. We are wired to think that yeah, I paid for the car, I paid for the house, and I bought the clothes, everything is sorted. It's not working like that. Even while I'm preaching like this, I can feel that I'm going through a wall. Some are cultural walls. Amen. We don't. We, I'm sure now we don't do it like that. It does not matter. I'm Zulu. It does not matter. I'm Congolese. It does not matter. Certain things are universal. It doesn't matter whether I'm in China. If I look at a Chinese man without understanding Chinese, as soon as I smile, he will respond with a smile. If I go to Indonesia and look at an Indonesian and I smile, he will respond with a smile. Certain things are universal. You know, as I'm preaching right now, choleric men, you know what they're thinking. I wonder if he does it in his house. <laughs> hey, hear me out. I preach here because I need to fix certain things. I'm not preaching because I make myself better to you. I looked at the sermon, God showed me a sermon and said, Hey, Madiba, you need to fix something. But don't fix alone. Because you are a pastor. Help other men. And even your sisters, if you've got a choleric husband, very competitive, you go home, you are driving, you say, hey, but do you hear the pastor? Don't do that. It doesn't mean if I say it, I'm perfect. Amen. Gifts. You don't know the size of the shoe of your wife. Come on. Come on. Come on. What size is she wearing? You don't even know the size of a dress. Sometimes you don't even know that women have got large, small, extra. You don't know. Then how will she look good to you if you don't know? Welcome to that. Woo. Who will come to that? 
We'll come to men as well. We'll come to them as well. Are we together? We'll come to that. You don't know. If you don't know, how are you going to encourage her to dress modestly? But if your wife sees you speaking to the likes of Sister Ndogozo that are designers, Sister Ndogozo, I need to surprise my wife. She's wearing size 34. Can you fix it nicely? And she does it. Then you go and surprise her. Then later you can tell your wife and say, my wife, this dress I don't like. It is tight. But that one, you remember the one that I surprised you with? That one I like it. Then she will begin to dress the way you want her to dress. But if you don't know, and you are trying to tell her that it is tight, but you don't even know her size, she will tell you, get off. (laughs) Sisters, I think there's an appetite for brothers for me to come on your side. Never, ever compare your husband. Never. Never. The only time when you need to compare your husband is when it is favorable to him. That's the only time. Find something that no other man is like that. Even here in church, you can tell your husband that, nay, no one is as tall as you are in that church. but brother so and so is taller than no that man is not there he was just visiting you are the tallest isn't so brother your car it's always clean it doesn't matter where you've been on Saturday but when you come to your car I've washed other cars are very dirty but yours is proper. If it's choleric, <laughs> we are talking. If it's phlegmatic, you know, you, my husband, you never fight against anyone. You, you get along with everyone. You know, you've got time for people. Why some marriages are unhappy? is because we always are in a constant competition to find things that are wrong with her and to throw them at her. And she finds things that are wrong with you to throw them at Then there's always a competition. Who's right? Who's wrong? That is Satan taking advantage of the family. The best way, let me tell you, marriage is based on compromise. Is it based on the fact that you cannot be right on everything? There's time where you've got to say, I'm sorry, even if you are a choleric husband. Let's give it some of this. A phlegmatic sister is married to a choleric brother. Or either way, a phlegmatic brother is married to a choleric sister. The family is coming to visit, maybe her family. Maybe the family of the phlegmatic are coming to visit. 
The choleric, because they want their space. The moment they say they are coming to visit, the choleric asked, when is the departure day? And when they are visiting a choleric somewhat, he's got a project that he's busy with, or he's got something that is, he's not around them. Not long, a phlegmatic says, he doesn't love me, or she doesn't love me. When my people are around, he's never around, or she's never around. Do you see these things? Am I talking things that are happening? I hope I'm not thumb sucking these things. A sister who is uh, sanguine, or even a brother who is a sanguine. They walk into the mall. I don't know. I'm not ashamed to tell you what my temperament is. My temperament is sanguine slash choleric. That's, that's why I am. It's not in my name, in my makeup. I cannot imagine myself walking in the mall holding my wife hand to hand. I go to the mall with her. Don't be, and I, when I go with her, she's not walking in front. Well, no, no, we walk together. <laughs> but uh, holding hands, kissing, hugging in public, I don't know. That's how I'm wired. Imagine for her, if she interprets that physical connection is what reflects love. Then he sees Brother Grace and Sister Zoe hugging. So he'll say, did you see them? Did you see how we are wired different? But at some point in time, there's got to be a compromise. Are you with me, good people? Do these things make sense? Amen. The best way in closing, you see, I've gone past 12. <clears throat> Take time to go as a family through this temperament. As a family, I even know where my children fall. Well, it's not a secret we can share it with you. Uh, my son, the eldest to me, is phlegmatic, melancholic, and Deborah is sanguine, phlegmatic. My daughter is definitely a sanguine. My wife is phlegmatic, melancholic. Then how we interact Whenever I preach like this, because my other son is phlegmatic, melancholic, and even my wife, every statement that I say that goes to my house, they don't know what to, where to hide. <laughs> Me, I'm choleric, sanguine, I just say it. You, 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 you get what I mean? So, and I've learned that I need to be careful if I give examples of wrong things. I must not bring in the pulpit that my son, you know, he was doing this. We found that it is in the negative. It can destroy them. 
you, you see. Now, my daughter and I get along because she's a sanguine. And if, if we're to render an item as a family, and I say to my daughter, we're going to sing. Oh, surely we're going to. But the others, they'll say, hey, be careful. <laughs> Don't be carried away, oh, daddy. Do you see these things? Now, if we know about these temperaments in my family, even in a church environment, we've got to say a sister or a brother can be choleric. It doesn't mean because they've got a somewhat a strong personality, it does not mean we need to hate them. We need to find places where we can use them for the betterment of the kingdom. Are we together? This in closing. As the Lord has said, if these temperaments are working for the family and they are working for individual, do they work for the church? As we stand to our feet. I said, are we a sanguine church? Are we a phlegmatic church? The Lord knows. <laughs> Hallelujah. Even churches have got temperaments. How many know that? And, and that is why, similarly, there are churches where if you were to sing what was that song, the uh, song, a song, song Masuma, that we sang? When they hear that, they say, it's noisy. No, it's not because the song is less spiritual. It's because of their temperament. To a melancholic person, when we sing, May Siri wrote my life, and everybody's crying, they can even say there was an anointing. What I, why I'm saying that, we've got to appreciate one another in our diversity. And tolerance, the Holy Spirit makes me tolerant. It makes me to, and you are a very tolerant church because we've got different nationalities, different races, but somewhat we find each other. It is by the grace of God. And keep it that way. A round of applause. <laughs> Can sing any worshiping song. Will these things be done in the household? Amen. When you do them, don't do them in a, in a competitive manner where it's like you want to prove that somebody is wrong. Approach it in this manner. How do we help each other as a family to be better as a family so that we are able to help each other to fight our own battles? God bless you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm a
yes. Let's sing it to the Almighty. this morning how many say mercy the road my life Jesus. 
without music all over the church are you redeemed
for the for the last time with music. How many redeemed people are in the building? Amen. How many is glad that they are redeemed? Amen. Just give us another worshiping song. We'll wrap up in prayer. Amen. For thy is the kingdom, the power and the glory.
gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for this uh, sermon today, O oh God, for your grace, your mercy, O oh Father. We've come, O oh Father Lord, from our places. We came here so that you can teach us these things, that you can perfect us, O oh God, correct us in any way that you choose, O oh Lord. There was nothing that wasn't important to us, O oh Father Lord. Everything that you mentioned, O oh Lord, can find us somewhere. Everybody fits somewhere, O oh God. After we've heard you, Lord Jesus, we now pray that you come and help us, O oh God. Look after each and everything, O oh Lord Jesus. Help us, O oh Father Lord, to understand that we were not made to be all the same, O oh God. Fill us, O oh God, with your love. As you spoke in First Corinthians, O oh Father Lord. Though I speak in the tongue of angels, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. That's the love that we're asking for, Lord. The feeling, the baptism of the Holy Ghost in our souls. For when Brother Branham went the other side, only perfect love made it, O oh God. We ask you for that, O oh Father, Lord Jesus. Come and help us, O oh God, to understand that everything prophecies, O oh Lord, and, and gift, all of that will pass away. they nothing, but there's one thing that stands, is your love, O oh Father, Lord. Your name is love. So come and fill us, O oh God. Fill our hearts and help us, O oh Lord Jesus, understand that whenever our brother or sister, our friend, they can do mistakes, they can go away, O oh Lord. Help us to understand that they're just human beings. For we also human beings, O oh Lord, making mistakes every now and then. But your grace is always sufficient. Help us, O oh God, to understand. Help us to help one another. To help each other, O oh Father Lord. We thank you for this sermon. We thank you for this grace, for your love, for your mercy upon our lives. Oh God, there are a lot of things that we've done wrong. A lot of things that we thought we knew and yet you didn't know anything. But when we came to the house of the Lord, this is where we've been corrected. It's where you're placing everybody on their place, oh Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, yes. for such a gospel. We thank you, Father Lord, for Brother Brennan. We thank you for this message. Thank you, Father. Thank you even for this church, oh Lord. Yeah. We pray that you always keep us together, oh Let God. It be so, Fill each and every one of us with your love, oh God, with your spirit, so that we be there every every time, oh Lord. Whether things go wrong or right, let us never forget what puts us together, oh Father Lord. We're different from the world. We're different from denomination. You brought us here, Father Lord. You sent us Brother Branham, bringing us back to the faith of our fathers, O oh God. Yes. We pray that you help us always realize that, oh Lord, living Egypt is one thing. Oh God, but we didn't take us out from Egypt to leave us in the desert. We just pray that you take us through, oh God, until the end, until the, the time that we're going to go home, O oh Father. The rapture is the main purpose of which you brought us into this message. For without this message, O oh Lord, there's no rapture. That's why, O oh Father, Lord, we pray that you keep us, O oh Father. Keep our hearts always burning, O oh Lord, for this gospel. We want to be filled with your Holy Ghost. We want to have that love, O oh Father, Lord. To love our brothers, O oh Lord. Even when they mistakes, O oh Lord, and doing wrong, we just want to love them. And pray for them, O oh Father, Lord. Deliver us, O oh Father. Bring healing, O oh God. If there is any sickness or any problem, O oh Father, this is the right place. When we come here, Lord, we are sorted. 
We pray, oh Father Lord, that you see us through. Now that we've come, oh Father Lord, to the end and we want to go, oh God, to our respective places. I pray that you help us and grant us a traveling mercy. Bless us, oh Lord Jesus. Bless each and every one of us that made us today to the service. Bless even the vessel that you used for us this morning, our pastor. We pray that you restore the virtue that he lost, oh God. May you bless him and his family, God. Bless us, oh Father, our deacons and all the office. We give everything back to you, God, again, until we meet again on Wednesday. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you richly next weekend. I'm in Zimbabwe. And then I will see you when I'm back. But Wednesday, we are still here. Uh, God bless you richly. Pray for me as I'm going there. There's great expectations with the meetings. Uh, but we are looking forward. Amen. Amen. Um, breaking the chains, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And then thereafter, we'll be dismissed. Have a blessed week. God bless you richly.